Welcome to today's message from First Baptist Church in Divine, Texas, where our mission is to equip all generations to impact lives for Christ. You can find today's message and more information at www.fbcdivine.org. Now, let's listen to the latest teaching from First Baptist Church, Divine. Revelation, chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. The Word of the Lord says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and then they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall no more, shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy. And true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. This is the reading of God's word for his people today. May you receive it as such. You may be seated. It is amazing, isn't it? One more year has come and gone. And now we find ourselves coming to grips with the idea that now we have to get ready for menial things, like, you know, get, get ready to pay the tax man. Some of us are actually trying to get ready to go back to school and get back into the regular operation of life. If you're a teacher, an administrator, well, if you're an administrator, your break wasn't, probably wasn't that long. But if you're a teacher, you're already counting the hours and the days until you have to get back to the schoolhouse and get everything ready for the last leg of the academic year. For some of us, it really didn't change much. Some of us just kept going as though nothing was happening. But before we go headlong into 2024, you need to understand what we just celebrated. Matter of fact, I like the fact that the lights are not on on these ornaments, but the only lights lit up before you today are the lights from the Advent candle, all lit, every single light. We're no longer in the anxious expectation of the baby who would come to Bethlehem to be born to a young woman, a virgin, to a father who adopted him so that he and his mother would not be killed. But we now await the faithful fulfillment of the promise God made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, where the offspring of the man would overtake the offspring, or I should say the woman, the offspring of the woman would, would overtake the offspring of the serpent, where evil would be done away with, where we would have no more worries, not because of our own merit, but because of the one who saved us. And so as we begin there's one key question for you that I want you to write down. Why does it matter how things or anything begins, 
an end. Why does it matter? As we begin to, con to consider the answer to this question, I would invite you to consider the words by the late J.I. Packer, a wonderful theologian, who aptly stated about God in Revelation. Overhead. In Revelation, God is the agent as well as the object. It is not that men speaks about God or for God. God speaks for himself and talks about us in person. He talks about himself to us and we can get to know him directly. Now, some of you are thinking, this guy, I don't know his name. Well, he's been gone for a few years now and he was in his 90s when he passed. He's one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century. He's now in the presence of his Savior. You see, God speaks clearly from Genesis to Revelation with consistent passion, with urgency and decisiveness. God unfurls his splendor and glory before humanity that is dead in sin, lost in darkness, deaf and mute and blind to the spiritual reality all around us in creation. If you read from Genesis to Revelation, you know that God is the most wonderful storyteller of all history. You want to know why? Because he created history. He was there before the foundations were laid. He was there before light was even a thing. He was the light of the universe because his presence is radiance in holiness. But there was no sun, no moon, no stars. No angels at one point. And God was content to be so just he himself and himself. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He needs nothing from anyone. He owes nothing to anyone. And yet, out of his holiness, because he had a great story of redemption to show for all of whomever, just to please himself and glorify, him, glorify himself, he did creation. He created Adam and Eve. He allowed for men and women to be tempted. He allowed for Satan to have his shallow victory so that he might have the greater victory, which is to redeem those whom he has called from eternity past to come and to confess him as Lord and Savior. That you and I might be here today at this time, at this hour, to magnify his glorious name. Look at that story. Have you read it? You start with Adam and Eve and then you, you see that Deceiving, conniving, murder enters the scene like that. And then you begin to see how all humanity is so twisted upside down. That they say, you know what, we can exalt our, ourselves above the heavens. And God says, no you won't, let me mix up your language. And he hits a button y de nuevo empiezan a hablar en español, y otros en inglés, y otros en francés. The power of Babel. And then you see God leading a man out of the land of the Chaldeans, in the land of Ur. What's his name? Abram? Come, follow me, and I will show you where you will go, and I will make you a great people, and your descendants will be as numerous, countless as the stars upon the heavens. And if you look to the seashore, more than the grains of sand that make the shore, those will be your children. Look around. According to the testimony of, he of Hebrews, you are children of Abraham. As a matter of fact, we have a song, don't we? Do you remember Father Abraham hath many sons, and many sons hath Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Do not start with the arms, okay? Keep them down. Keep them down. That's why people find it kind of strange to come to church. What are they doing with this? Anyway. 
God is the greatest storyteller of all, of all time. Because he himself is the one who's telling the story of how beginning to end, it's going to point all back to himself through the work of one who is himself the second person of the Trinity. And so as we consider this, that God is the object and the one who speaks, the agent of revelation, as we consider that he is the one who unfurls his glory and splendor before us to see, to awe, to worship, then the question we have to us today in this moment, why focus on this as we look to the end of 2023 and as we push forward, as we launch, if you will, into 2024? Again, I, I refer you back to the first question. Why does it matter how anything begins and ends? Why does it matter with our faith? Why does it matter with God? Well, are you ready for some truth? I hope you're taking notes. I hope you do realize this is good. Look overhead. Yahweh, God, is timeless and unchanging. You would think, Pastor Carlos, why does that matter? You would think, well, that is so basic. Duh, he's God. Well, you have to understand something. The beauty of the gospel is that it's so simple. A child like my Michael can grasp it and confess his sin and his need of a savior. And yet it is so complex that even pastors who go to seminary ongoing for decades and decades will never exhaust the depth of the glory of God's word. That's the beauty of this gospel we have. It's the beauty of this story of redemption that God has given to us in His Holy Word. That's the beauty of it. Yahweh is timeless and unchanging and it matters for this reason. Because if God is unchanging, it means that there's no shadow of turning with Him. That's a line from one of our faithful hymns. It also means that he is outside of time. And if he is outside of time, nothing can affect him to change who he is, was, or will be. The same God that you encountered as a little boy is the same God who will receive you unto eternity when you close your eyes on this side of heaven. That is the beauty of this God. And we hold to this confession from the words of the Bible, which are echoed by some wonderful theologians, Geisler and Feinberg, and this is the quote overhead. God's will is subject to his own unchanging nature. God's will is subject to his own unchanging nature. Should be overhead, but it, we're having difficulties. It's fine. Just roll with it. Take notes. This is so important because if you and I believe that we are called by his name, then we hold true to the fact that God is the one who holds us and not the other way around. What that means for you and for me is that as we have gone through a year of heartaches, of loss, of ups and downs, and maybe twisted all about, it's almost like the hokey pokey of life, you were okay and you have made it this far by the grace, mercy, and strength of the living God. This is, that's why you've made it this far. There are many who were looking to the end of this year who are no longer with us. And God was not taken aback by any of that. Matter of fact, the only thing that he was concerned with, if God concerns himself with anything, is this. Where do they stand? Whether they stand under the blood of Christ 
or they have derided the blood of Christ to take their own vanity as their merit. And hopefully, if you are one of those, I'm not going to wait to the invitation to tell you this, you have a golden opportunity today. Do not let your heart be hardened as Pharaoh's heart was when he was confronted with Moses. Do not let your heart be hardened when the enemies of God stood against the people of God in Israel, in modern day Judea and Palestine. Do not be like them, but bend the knee to the living God and He will raise you to heights that you thought unreachable and unimaginable. That's the beauty of this God because if you die without Christ, my dear friend, eternity will be a, a night without a dawn coming for you. But if you die in Christ, if you trust Him today, in this very moment you were to collapse, then for you eternity will be nothing but a glorious day without a night chasing us. That's the beauty of this gospel. This profoundly personal God is the one who sets history on its course and all kingdoms of the earth derived their substance from Him. There are many, many kings in history who have thought, we don't need God, we can be a secular nation. We don't need God, I'll be the idol of worship. Where are those kingdoms now? You need to do some soul searching because the United States is no better than any of them. Every kingdom is allowed. Every nation stands by the power of the living God. He allows every nation to stand. And if that nation does not seek after his face, that nation will fall. And if we do not make our love-driven notion and mission to go and preach the gospel to people, not nationalism, not any ism, but if we were to reach people with the gospel, it's not that a nation has a soul, it's rather than the souls that make up that nation would be transformed, and that nation would then see the face of God as the priority, and not the menial thing like, how many taxes am I going to take a break from? Or how much am I going to make of this if I do this business versus this one? How am I going to do as a nation if I invade this nation versus this other one? That is pointless. Pardon the expression. In my house we don't use this word. Forgive me, boys. That's stupid. Because we have a God who by his own power and authority allows the nations to stand or to fall, to rise and to go down like the tides upon the seashore, where they ebb and they flow. This is a personal God who has established all things under His perfect will and holds all things to His glory. What are the best things of your life? If you're married, I pray, and I, I'm just going to talk to the men for a moment. Gentlemen, we married way up. Ladies, I'm sorry, you married way down. That's always a rule of thumb. Now, that's a joke. I hope you know that. But you need to understand this. The goodness of, your, of the fit companion and helper that you have in your life is a gift of God. Don't take them for granted. Your children are a gift of God. Don't take them for granted. Your grandchildren, if you're fortunate to have them, and great-grandchildren are a blessing of God. As a matter of fact, one of the Psalms says that they are an inheritance from the Lord. I believe it's Psalm 123 or 124. Children are an inheritance from the Lord. Way better than stocks and anything else you can ever have. 
money is cold, it doesn't express emotion. Money is cold and stocks are just a piece of paper. There's nothing better at the end of my day. And I don't have many bad days as, as your associate pastor. There's nothing better than to come home and have my three boys run and give me a hug. Nothing better than to have my wife ask me, how was your day? We can talk about things. Now, that's real treasure. Nothing as menial and worthless in eternal terms compared to as money or stocks or land or whatever you may have that helps us in this world, but in eternity's terms has no value whatsoever. You see, this holy being, this God that we worship, is the one who in three persons is a being in unity, but has three persons that work separately and are distinct from one another. This three-in-one God, this triune God, is the one that allows us to worship Him and to know Him in such a personal way compared to any other idol in history. Allah doesn't do that. Allah does not promise to followers of Islam any type of love. He says, eh, if I like you enough, I won't smite you forever. We don't become nothing to go back into the nothingness of Buddhism. No. We are personally known as we have been personally designed and we are received personally by a God who loves and cares for each one of us. And he ushers us into eternity to spend Eternity. That means forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, just for good measure, and ever and ever with Him. That He may know us and that we may know Him. So you see how you answer the question, why does it matter how anything begins and ends, actually is very quintessential to how you're going to live your life. Because again, the same God who was there before our birth is the same God who will be there at the end of history to fulfill his promise to make all things new as we've read in scripture. By the way, if you haven't read the book of Revelation, by this point, all judgments have been given out. The trumpets have all blown. The bowls have been poured out. The seals have been opened. And now God is on his throne. And without getting into the, into the different nuances of that, it means that God affirms who he is to all creation. I am king. I am Lord. And he has made it to the point that he who's on the throne, who can sit on the throne, I wonder? Like asking, who gets to live in the White House in the United States? Not the Speaker of the House, and I hope it's not the Vice President. That's not a political anything. It's just the order of things. Just as we expect the president to reside at, I believe, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, I think. I believe that's the right address. Thank you. Just like we would expect the president to reside there, the only one who sits upon the throne of the celestial court is God himself. And he alone is the one who says, it is done, it is finished. I am making all things new. Well, it matters how it all begins because it's, God, it is God himself who allows us to be deeply known and to be saved. Jesus is the one who makes all things new. And that started the moment that he came as a baby. Never once did he sin. 30 years of anonymity. We do not know record of what his early life was. There's some tradition in, different, in other churches 
But that's just it. It's tradition. We do not know for sure. But in Jesus taking humanity, emptying himself of not divinity, but the glory of God. He did not consider himself equal to the Father. But he subjugated himself to the Father to glorify him that we may know him personally. And it is in Jesus that we can be deeply known. Who knows you the best? Who is that one person that if you turn to them, give them a sideways look with a cockeyed, they're actually going to know, oh, something's up. And I know exactly what you mean. For some of us, it's our spouse. For some of us, it's our best friend. For some of us, it's that old golfing buddy or the shooting at the range buddy. But that person cannot begin to know you as intimately well as God does. I mean, we just go to Jeremiah and we see how he knitted you in your mother's womb. How he called you into being because of his perfect will to create and design you. This is the God that we know. This is the God who knows us. Not one number of our heads. And some of us may have more, some of us may have less. Does not matter. He knows them and he numbers them and he cares for each one of them. This is the God who loves us. This is the God who came and we celebrated a week ago. Celebrating his birth. Can you remember all the ups and downs of 2023? How about this? Can you remember the last decade of ups and downs? How about the whole your whole lifetime? Can you recall every single up, down, and sideways of your life? Relationships, schoolwork, family life. Can you remember that? You see, without God, it would be depressing and maddening to recall all the deep veils and trenches of pain, agony, and distress. We would go mad thinking, I don't know how I did it. You would have PTSD. You would lose your mind thinking of the valleys of life. Some of us have had words, some worse than others. There are many in this congregation and those who may be watching online that have lost children. There are many who have dealt with relationship issues, spousal issues, job-related issues that drove you nearly insane. Where would you be without? But see, just so you don't think that it's only one-sided on the opposite end of this spectrum, without God, it would be narcissistic and self-aggrandizing to recall the mountaintop moments of life. Because you did not do that all on your own. It was God's grace and mercy that provided you all that you needed at the right time to enjoy all good things that are in your life. When you made that first deal that made you a bundle of money, and you were able to not worry about taking care of your family. When you landed that perfect job. When you, when your wife said, yes, honey, I'll marry you. When she told you, by the way, you're going to be a daddy. All of that was not of your own doing. Because in all of it, there were more factors than just you, my friend. And in my life, there were more factors than just me. It was the hand of a loving father providing everything needed. That we would worship him with everything that he has provided for us. You can say amen. You ought to say ouch. That's all I'm saying. 
taking all things human into account our, in our respective lives, we can see how Jesus makes all things redeemable before God. We are moved away from the meritorious intent of our broken hearts to seek God's affirmation and love while simultaneously being pulled away from despair and darkness that comes from spiritual corruption. Rightly do we see in the scriptures in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. This is the gospel. This is from Jesus' lips. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Christ himself is the gospel. He is the good news that brings salvation to everyone who will hear. Because God had come to know people individually, intimately. But just so you don't think that it's only in the New Testament. If you go back to Zechariah chapter 8, you see four verses that speak to this truth. Thus says the Lord, Zechariah 8 verse 20 through 23. People shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days... Ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of your, the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Friends, is God with you? Why are you playing games? Where's your story right now? It matters how things begin. It matters how things end and why. Listen to this. Because God is with His people, those called by His name. There is peace and blessing among them because He alone is the one to renew that which is broken, old, and dead. God alone gives us the strength and compelling passion to follow after Him from day to day, month to month, year after year. Ultimately, leading us to eternity. Whatever you, you have chosen to be in this life, it's nothing compared to what you will do in eternity. We will worship Him. He will know us and we will be the best version of ourselves. Not because we read a book. Not because we watched a podcast. Not because we did anything cool our friends wanted us to. But because the living God is the one who transformed us to reflect His glory back onto Himself. What a glorious day! What a glorious day! How great is our God! Sing with me! How great is our God! I hope you understand that when you sing, you're not just babbling words, you're saying theological truths that matter. How great, how great is our God! I wonder, are you moving towards the future with the end in sight? Or are you still looking in the rearview mirror? You know, it's very easy to get into an accident. If you, if you drive on Highway 35 and you really want to get into a serious accident, do yourself a favor. Access the on-ramp, 
put both hands on the steering wheel, and instead of looking into the big, broad windshield, looking through the tiny little rearview mirror. See what happens to you within 10 minutes. If you want to see the glory that is to come, much like we were warned by Jesus, no one is fit to come and serve and follow after me. If all they do is put the hand to the plow, and they keep looking back. Don't look in the rearview mirror. Give thanks to God for the things that took place in your life that brought joy and blessing. Mourn the things that brought distress and loss and contempt. But have faith in God. That's also the title of another of our hymns, isn't it? Have faith in God. He's on the throne. Have faith in God. What does the next say? He watches or his own. He watches over you. He watches over me. The promise of the, the word of God is that he will never sleep nor slumber. The God of Israel never takes a break. He's always on the job. Better than no red. Better than the armed forces. God is on the throne. He watches over us. And if you need the final, the final answer to this, why it matters that we are looking to the forward notion of time and not just lamenting the past, remember this. It is because of Jesus Christ. Do you remember the scripture reading? Lamentations chapter 3. His mercies are outdated. Was that it? His mercies are new every Monday? No, no, no. They were brand new every weekend. That's what most of us live for, right? The weekend. That's when the mercies are new. We take a break from the routine. We can just be home to go do something fun. And we just focus on that. Yeah, God's mercies are brand new every Friday evening until Sunday afternoon. Then it's all downhill from there. No. The writer of Lamentations, Jeremiah himself, himself makes it very clear. His mercies are new every morning. And by the way, before that he says, My trust is in the Lord and therefore I have hope. His mercies never cease. Faithful is our God. This is the God in whom we profess faith. Because his mercies are new every morning. And if you know the difference between mercy and grace, you know that where you deserve punishment, God extends mercy and will not strike you with his wrath, but will give you his blessing because of his long suffering, because of his holy patience. And some of you are thinking, we also have to do the Lord's Supper, brother. Hurry up. Work on your patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Today is the day. Today is a perfect day. Not because I'm preaching, not because of anything else. It is a perfect day because today we celebrate a year coming to an end and we worship Him who led us to this point. And now we come to worship Him trusting that He's propelling us to embrace whatever comes in 2024. Some of us may not make it through the next year. Some of us may move. Some of us may... Have a different job. Let go from a job. I don't know. If you're in high school, elementary, and middle school, there's always change, isn't there? Teachers come and go. You have to go from class to class. Over the summer, you will go from your current grade to the next one. And there's some here who will go from 12th grade to becoming an adult. There's a lot of change. But God never changes. The source of your hope Remain strong. The source of your worship and the object of your worship is unchanged. Because he is the one who created time. 
My challenge for us today is very simple. Because of Jesus Christ, consecrate this year to Him today. Give thanks for 2023, but lay everything before Him in private or with your family and simply ask Him to take hold of everything that will come. He's already there. He's waiting for you. We may proceed to time in the future, but God is already waiting for us there. All you and I have to do is surrender and say, Father, I know you're in the future already because you're outside of time. As I go from this day to the end of next year, would you be glorified in my life? Would you give me the strength to make it through the ups and downs? Would you give me humility when something amazing happens in my life? And will you give me wisdom to go day by day? Consecrate this year. You know, that's something that many churches don't do anymore. We don't consecrate. If you read the Old Testament, you see that people took time and made it a very serious matter to come before the Lord and say, You are our God. We are your people. And we debase ourselves of anything good to glorify you because you give everything good to us in the first place. In other words, it's like a father getting a Christmas gift from a five-year-old child. Who gave the child the money? The father or the mother. Who, get, who gives the gift? The child. Back to whom? The father or the mother. In that particular scenario, it's the same thing that God does in our, in our case, it's very tenuous at best. Because we give money and we get something back in return that they could buy to show us love. But God has given you life, talents, resources. What could God do to glorify himself if you give him all that you are, all that you have, and steward it in such a way that by the end of 2024, he would see himself glorified in any which way that he would so desire. Can you imagine that? And to give you the joy in the process to go through that adventure. So many of us say, God, I want to follow you, but I'm holding on. I don't want to, I, I, I'm going to follow you, but I'm holding on. What would happen if you say, Father, I'm going to follow you. You're good and faithful. Let's go. Thank you for tuning in to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church Divine, located at 308 West Hondo Avenue in Divine, Texas. We invite you to be our guests at our 8.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. services each Sunday. You can find more information about First Baptist Church Divine at www.fbcdivine.org, where our mission is to equip all generations to impact lives for Christ. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you.